Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. I might sing the sermon this morning. (laughs) Jesus. There's something about his presence. Mm. Worship is a response to the revelation of who Jesus is. And the only appropriate response is worship. Hallelujah. So when you come in here this, in, the, in the morning on Sunday mornings, don't come. It's not, it's not showtime at the Apollo. We're not up here uh, cheerleading and we're, we're not up here to pump and prime you. There should be something to offer in response to Jesus revealing himself. Amen. No, I got my hand on my hip like I'm a mama. I'm not, I'm not. But it's real. It's real. You know, in the Old Testament, you got cut off. And by cut off, I mean cut off for real. If you didn't have something to bring into the house of the Lord, you didn't have an offering, you didn't have anything to give, cut off. And it had to be acceptable. You had to be just so. And it's like week after week, I see kind of people just like, mm, yeah. You know, we see a lot from up here, okay? Just to let you know. But the appropriate response to a revelation of who Jesus is, is worship. Mm. Pastor Kaya talked about worship last week before she got into the word, and it was a powerful word. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Atira. I'm the minister of music here. If you're wondering, ain't that the girl be over there playing the piano? Yeah, it's me. It's me, guys. So um, it's a blessing and an honor to be before you this morning. Um, and thank, welcome to all those who are watching from online. We're so glad that you joined us. You could be anywhere in the world today, but you decided to be here in the fellowship amongst the brethren. Hallelujah. So um, without further ado, I'm just going to jump right into this, okay? Um, I just, um, oh gosh, where do I start? So the theme, though, actually the last time I preached, I preached a word called uh, build your, entitled Build Your Church. And it was a prayer, not just a statement, right? And um, the title of today's message is a continuum of that. And it's build your church. It's not you, it's me. (laughs) Father, I thank you, Lord God, as we open up your word this morning, that uh, it be your words and not my own this morning, Lord God, that you would just uh, open the eyes of our heart flood them of light, Lord God, and uh, so that we can understand what it is that you're wanting to say to us this morning, Lord. So we bless you. We thank you for these things in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so the key text for that is Matthew chapter 16. You can open your Bibles there, and, and I feel like this is, not, this is not a scripture that can be belabored too much. We cannot, we cannot overstate it enough. Build your church, Lord. Okay, we're going to start at we're going to start at verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 13. It says when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say the son of man is?" "Well," they replied, "some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say 
uh, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, listen, that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you keys to the kingdom, keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Somebody say, build your church. Build your church. Come on, talk about, talk and say it like you mean it. Build your church. Build your church. It's not you. It's me. Okay, so what I intend to do this morning, I like to begin with the end in mind and get to the point real quick. Here is the thing. I want to add posture to the prayer. So build your church is the prayer and it's not you. It's me is the posture. Does that make sense to you? It's the posture, right? We come in here. We say it every week. Why do we call the building? Right. Because Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. That church is not made of stucco, cinder block, or drywall. That church is coming back for is you if you have the spirit of God living inside of you. Amen? So we are the church, right? So it'd be, it'd be appropriate to, to assume or to uh, deduce that when God said he's building his church, the church that he's building is you. The church that he's building is me, right? How does he build his church? We talked about it earlier this morning. Pastor John talked about uh, people is the means by which God uses to bless people, but people is also the way that choose, he chooses to grow us as well. He chooses to build his church through his people. Amen? You guys follow me so far? All right. So here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. You going to put it up there? The big idea. Here it is right here. Here's the big idea. The church will grow corporately only when we grow personally. The church will grow corporately only when we grow personally. Now, having said that, and we've had the prayer and we've added the posture, it's not you, it's me. I want to talk about the means by which God chooses to build his church. Now, the message that I preached the last time, build your church, was a result of uh, the Lord. It was a response to the correction of the Lord in my life personally. Okay. And the Lord put, you know, got my, got on my uh, helmet about some stuff. Right. And, and, you know, the natural response was to kind of want to like, well, you know, what's, why is it so important? Why, like, what's, you know, like, just, is it really that serious? And it's like, yeah, it is that, it is that serious. You know what I mean? And I had preached from uh, the verse in 2 Corinthians, I believe it was chapter 13, where this is the second letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And it was a letter of correction. And he said to them, he said, examine yourselves to see if you are truly in the faith. And that was a question or basically a proposition was like, look, you need to look at yourself because of how you're responding to the correction of the Lord that is coming through the authority that he has given me. Build your church. 
So I had to examine myself to see if I'm truly in the faith or is it just a, 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 a schedule taker, space taker up or is it, is it, is it, do I just come here out of routine? Do I come here out of religion or am I truly in the faith? Right? We have to ask ourselves, right? And here's the thing. We just came out of a series that was talking about uh, the blessed life and, and being generous, a life of generosity. And let me tell you how the Lord really got on my helmet even some more. Because, you know, I know a lot of times we talk about generosity and living the best life. And, and, and it's, it's about your heart. I know a lot of people's booty cheeks clench up because we think they're talking about money. Right? Listen. Listen. Luke chapter 6 verse 38. I didn't hear that scripture out of the context of finances until I was an adult. I grew up in church hearing Luke chapter 6, verse 30, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. With the same measure you meet with all, the same shall be measured to you again, right? You think about that, oh, you, you sow, sow apples, you get apples, and, and, and all this other, you know, come back home on every way, all that stuff like that, until the Lord really pricked my heart this time that we did this, this series, and it was about grace, it was about grace. Can I just be honest with you guys? Yeah, I said people is what the means by which God uses to grow us. And I, my big mouth opened up and said, Lord, build your church, right? So that means, that means he's going he's gonna to build me. He's, he's, he's going to build me. And the thing is this, is we are body fitly joined together. And anything in close proximity means friction. Friction, right? So can I just tell you? <laughs> Don't judge me, okay? We're in here together, all right? None, none of us is better than anybody else, all right? But I've been in a season of frustration. Frustration with people. Frustration with ministry. Frustration. And, and you know what? Here's the thing about being severely frustrated. When you're frustrated, like, to no end, it'll have you forgetting that you love people. Like, I mean this in the, in the biggest way. Listen, frustration will have you forgetting that. I, you know, I love, I, wait a minute. I love this person. Like, I, it, it totally wiped your brain. For, you, you just, you know what I'm saying? The frustration, it'll get you frustrated. But frustrated, frustration is a distraction from what God is ultimately trying to do. And this is what, I'm, and I'm just opening up and I'm just sharing from my vulnerability. Uh, quick story time, just a little insert here. Um, there's a story of a conversation between an older preacher and a younger preacher, okay? And uh, the younger preacher asks the older preacher, more seasoned preacher, he says, hey, is there, any, is there any advice you can give me? Is there any advice you can give me, you know, as far as like, you know, like sermon series and like, you know, I, you know, I got all these ideas, but, you know, what, you know, is there any advice you can give me? And the older preacher looked at him very seriously and said, Preach from your weakness and you'll never run out of material. So that's what I'm doing. Before y'all start to judge me today, I'm preaching from my weakness, all right? Preaching from my weakness. But you know what? He said in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Amen? Let's get it, y'all. Let's get it. Build your church. Build your church. Somebody say, build your church. Somebody say, it's not you. It's me. It's not you. It's me. And build your church again was like it was that was like the tap out for me. That was the tap out for me. And in 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 the Lord just saying, speaking to my heart, saying, Tear, cease from your frustration. Cease from your frustration. You're not 
in the position that you're in to see something that needs to be corrected and just be upset about it. Turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. When you get there, say amen. I'll be reading uh, 1 through 3 and then 11 through 16. The title of this, this chapter is called Unity in the Body. It says, therefore, I a, prisoner, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for one another's faults he, because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Let's go ahead and move down to verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts Christ has given to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Hallelujah. Build your church. A body fitly joined together means that we are in close proximity. And, and that means that if we're crying, our cry of our heart is to build for God to build his church. That means he's wanting to build me personally. The way he does that is through people. And it talked about it talked about us growing individually, us growing individually, the gifts that God has given to the church, us growing individually and it making the body mature. Amen. Are you guys following us growing individually makes the body mature? Why? Because we are a body fitly joined together. Needing interdependent, we're interdependent on one another. So if I start, if I stop growing, or if I stop doing my function, that means the body suffers. The body suffers. For those of you who don't know, I'm on dialysis, and that means the part of my body that is not working properly, not functioning well, is my kidneys. So when that happens, that means you have to outsource that function. You have to outsource that function. Why? Because that body that party uh, part of the body is no longer doing what it's supposed to do it's supposed to, it's no longer doing what it's supposed to do it's no longer prospering it's no longer functioning it's no no longer growing are you guys getting the analogy when we don't grow when we refuse to grow the body suffers the body cannot function the way it's supposed to, the way the Lord ordained it to function. So with that in mind, what I want to go over this morning is the importance of growth, the importance of our personal growth and how it depends. Other people's lives depend on our, our decision to grow. And I want to talk about three enemies and one answer. So I want to go over three enemies of growth this morning. All right. Somebody said, build your church. Look at your neighbor. Say, it's not you. It's me. The first enemy of growth I want to address is comfort. Comfort. 
And comfort is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain and constraints. A state of physical ease in is in freedom from pain and constraints. Go ahead and put the next slide up there. Things do not grow in comfortable spaces. Things do not grow in comfortable spaces. When I think of when the scripture talks about a body fitly joined together, that's what we are. It makes me think of a jigsaw puzzle. Is anybody into jigsaw puzzles here? <laughs> we got one person in the second row. Amen. Amen. Now, mind you, I haven't seen, I haven't, I haven't physically dealt with a jigsaw puzzle since I was, I was like in grade school, right? It was the rainy day indoor recess. It kind of sucked, but anyway. Um, so, but when I think about a body fitly joined together, each piece has an intricate part to the big picture. Remember what the big picture I just talked about is when we grow individually, we will grow corporately, right? So one piece, as oddly shaped as it is, may seem insignificant, but it holds a very important piece to the big picture once it's fully complete and put together. And the thing is this, it's not loosely, it's fitly, fitly joining. It's tight. The unity of the brethren is of utmost importance in the building of the church. And I feel like it's, it was a setup that I'm talking about the importance of growth and the, the, the detriment of we don't take personal, personal responsibility for our personal individual growth in Christ is on Growth Group Sunday. Growth Group start this week. Yeah, somebody's happy about it. Do you realize you'll never become who you're supposed to be without the fellowship of the brethren? You were never meant to be to function independently. You, we were to made to be interdependent on one another and ultimately dependent on Christ, who is the head of the church, right? But what we have right now, out of frustration, because pe- God uses people to grow us, our response in our flesh is offense. We're offended. We're frustrated. We're church hurt. And I'm not making light of any of the trials or tragedies in this room. But here's the thing. How God operates, he usually uses what hurts you to bring healing to you. So if it's people that hurt you, you need to just go ahead and wrap your heart, your heart and your mind around the fact and the truth that he's going to use people to bring the healing that you're desperately needing. Why? Because we need you. You're an important part of this body. We can't do it without you. Amen? Amen. Comfort. Things do not grow in comfortable spaces. The second enemy is complacency. Complacent, to be complacent, showing smug and uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements. Showing smug and uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements. I originally had underlined the uncritical satisfaction part. Uncritical means like there's nothing wrong with you, it's everybody else. Everybody else need to do something different. Everybody else need to tighten up, right? Yeah, and I wish they would, I, w- I just wish they would get it together. I, I just really wish they just, you know, it's not that hard. You need to get it together. Uncritical, what is it? Uncritical satisfaction. Those were those are two. Like I, it struck me odd when I read those two words together because it's not it's not something that you see the two words that you see together often. Uncritical satisfaction. 
the comfort that leads to complacency. You get comfortable with the wins you've got, right? The wins and sometimes even the failures that you've had. You're like, oh, this is all, it's, 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 I'm comfortable here. You can become comfortable in a place of, of failure. That's actually called apathy, right? You guys with me today? Y'all are quiet. <laughs> so comfort, comfort, you get comfortable because it, 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 comfort is if growth does not take place in the place of comfort. You can either want to grow, you can either grow or you be comfortable, but you cannot do both. You cannot do both. Think about a time in your life where you where you've grown the most or where you've where you've seen a. Uh, You've seen, you've seen yourself expand and really blossom and bloom. I guarantee you it was preceded by a season of stretching and hardship. Discomfort. Discomfort. You know what? It's, it, it would be comfortable for me to stay at home and not join a growth group. But it's not about me. It's not about me. The fellowship of we are body joint, fitly joined together preordained to do good works by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Complacency. I'm going to put the next slide up there. Complacency is the deadly foe of all spiritual growth. That's A.W. Tozer right there. Tozer, it's missing a Z, but it's okay. Amen. Complacency is the deadly foe of all spiritual growth. And it leads me to the last uh, enemy of growth that I'm going to talk about, which is contempt. You see how the progression went? It went from comfort to being complacent to being contempt. Contempt is the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. Wow. Let me read that again. The feeling that a person or thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. Contempt. You ever seen, um, you ever, you know, I have siblings, and the thing is this is that there's a challenge. There was a challenge to actually do a chore. We were challenged to do a chore, or it was some type of activity that we've done, and, and, and there, was a, there was a reward for it. And it was optional. It was optional. We didn't have to do it. But the thing is, this is that once one of the siblings did it and the other one decided not to do it, they got the reward. And then the other one who didn't do it is now in contempt. They're contemptuous about it. They're, they're contentful about contentious, excuse me. They're contentious about it. Why? Because they didn't want to pay up and do the work. So then you, you're critical of other people who do. The same works for growth. I've seen it time and time again for growth. People are invited. Hey, come join this study. Hey, get involved. Get, serve. Serve. Get involved with growth, growth groups. And then you see how iron sharpens iron and how we're a body fitly joined together and we make each other better. And then, and then, and then the person that decided to stay home and be comfortable and complacent now sees you being promoted why? Because that person humbled themselves and God in due time exalted them. Now they see they're receiving the God-ordained glory and you're still left comfortable and complacent. You can't do the minimum and expect optimal results. You can't be upset with the results you didn't get from the work that you did not do. Growth requires work. Growth requires work. Somebody say, build your church, Lord. 
build your church, God. It's not you. It's me, Lord. It's not, it's not my brother and sister. It's me, Lord. I'm the one that needs change. I'm the one that needs growth. The posture to the prayer. It's not you. It's me. And if you didn't realize, all three of the enemies are rooted in pride. Pride says, I got it. I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I, it, it doesn't take all that. It don't take me joining a growth group. It don't take me uh, serving in the children's ministry. It, it, don't take, it don't take me showing up to rehearsals. Oh, it's okay. I don't, I don't need to be there. It's okay. I don't need to be there. Mm. Mm. Jesus. Contempt. Amen. Contempt. Let's get to the answer. So we talked about the three main enemies of, of growth, and it was comfort, complacency, and contempt. But here's the answer. Humility. The answer is humility. And here's a working definition of humility. Humility is an accurate estimate of oneself which should result in complete and total dependence on Jesus. An accurate estimation of oneself that should result in a complete and total dependence on Jesus. I mentioned earlier that Unless a man gets a glimpse of his own wretchedness, he'll never understand his need for God. And that really means, simply means they don't have a true and accurate assessment of their self. Pride will have you forgetting that you're a wretch. Right? You know, and that cycle, that, those three enemies that I just talked about, comfort, complacency, and contempt, a lot of times when you get to the last one, you don't even know. You don't, you don't even know because it, allow, it opens the door for bitterness and strife, everything that'll come against you being exactly where you need to be, which is amongst the brethren in the fold with the rest of the sheep. Amen? Amen. And that's how the enemy tricks us. The enemy tricks us when pride sets in, we get comfortable, we get complacent, and then we grow contempt for those who have stayed with the flock and done the word of the Lord and obeyed the word of the Lord, right? That's how that happens. There's a saying that says, the banana that leaves the bunch is the first one to get peeled. But listen, listen, no, it's the truth. And I've seen it happen again and again. Oh, it don't take me being in church every single Sunday. Oh, it doesn't take me serving. It doesn't, t- it doesn't take me being a part of a growth group. And then what do you know? National Geographic happens. The little stupid wildebeest that's out there strolling along by itself, right? Be sober. Be vigilant, for the enemy desires to sift you as wheat. The enemy walks about roaring like a, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you and your pride, comfort, complacency, and contempt, out there on your own, you're a sitting duck. You make yourself a target. The enemy has no power over you. But he'll use our ignorance. He'll use our ignorance. He'll use our comfort. He'll use our complacency. He'll use our contempt to bring us out. See, you know what? You don't even need that. See, look, come on. Come on over here. See, I told you you didn't take off. Look at you. You growing? You growing? With your homespun theology with nobody to, to test it. There is safety in the fold. 
There is safety in a multitude of counsel. You're not meant to do it by yourself. Next thing you know, you just another episode of National Geographic and another one bites the dust. Cold part about it, you know what? I've seen those that left and made it back, but then there's some that never made their way back. There are some that never made their way back. So don't assume that there's always a way back home. When you knowingly walk away, you know to do good and you don't do it, it is sin. So when you knowingly walk away, don't just assume that there's always going to be a beaten path home. There's going to be a beaten path home. It's not you. It's me. It's me. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. My growth has everything to do with God building his church. And when, we, when the cry of our heart, the prayer of our heart is for God to build his church, guess who he's looking at? You. The things that seem they're so insignificant for you to deal with them, for you to allow and cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the, the things he's setting in ordinance for us to be built up with, which is our brother and sister, the body of Christ, fitly joined together, is going to yield a peaceable fruit of righteousness that the body benefits from. Do you know there is no plan B? The local church is the hope of the world. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. So what are you going to do? What is your response? I know what my response was when the Lord convinced, the conviction of the Lord came, when the conviction of the Holy Ghost came, it was like so strong. And I said, Lord, build your church. Lord, build your church. Because it wasn't about, he was like, it's here, it's not about you. It's not about you being frustrated. But it's for the saving of many lives. The local church is the hope of the world. There is no plan B, and you are a part of God's plan. And it is important, it is imperative, not to just your health personally, but to the health of the body that you stay connected. I have, there's four of us, right? There's four of us siblings. You know, this is surprising because none of you guys just thought it was just me and Donald. No, there's four of us. And I remember any time when we were younger, if we went out somewhere, one wanted to go, we all had to go. Take your sisters with you, Donald. <laughs> Take them with you. I was like, man. Like, one thing she would always say, she says, hey, stay together. Stay together. Why? Because it's safety. It's a matter of safety. Mm. My God, it is a matter of safety. In Colossians chapter 3, it talks about uh, forbearing with one another. Right. I'm not going to go there. I know you guys I know you guys have the scripture, but I'm not going to go there for the sake of time. But it talked about uh, bearing coming together, fit, you know, uh, bearing one another's burdens and, um, and 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 being in unity with one another. And it was so that we would be mature and not be deceived by the lies and false doctrine and these false prophets that are in. There's a number of them. Right. So here's and, and, and that's why that's how you got all this commingling stuff going on. Because people that separated from the body got away from sound doctrine, so they were open books for people to paint whatever picture that they had on them that had just a little bit of truth but was a farce and demonic in origin. 
stay together. Stay together. There is safety. That was the original plan. There is no plan B. Somebody say, build your church. I'm about to bring this to a close. We're adding posture to the prayer this morning. And, um, you know, it's a declaration. It's a declaration and a prayer. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but hey, okay. <laughs> it's a posture and a declaration for God to build his church, Lord, and start with me. That's, I don't know about you, but that is my prayer personally, Lord. Lord, whatever it is that you're wanting to do, God, do it in me for the saving of many lives, including my own God. So we humble ourselves, Lord, and we say, build your church, God. We say, build your church, Father. On Christ alone, our chief cornerstone, no other found. Me. 